0: for listening to our podcast recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. If you've got a Bible and you'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, actually it's Romans chapter 12, thank you. Um, thank you very much. If you haven't got a Bible, it's going to occur on the screen behind me, Romans chapter 12. Why don't you stand up for a moment and we'll just read this together, shall we? Just stretch stretch your legs and let's read the Word of God together. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously and if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Amen? Please be seated. Well, we have three weeks ago started a series called Setting the Culture, and um, Graham started us off just looking at culture, and then the second session was uh, looking at the presence of God. We, we want to have a culture that emphasizes the presence of God. Um, and this morning we're looking at the culture of honor. Culture of honour. Okay. Well, it sounded like I was eating some crisps then, didn't it? <laughs> I was just taking my glasses off in front of the mic. Okay. So, it's a good idea to remind ourselves, what is, it, what is a culture? And in many ways, what we have just read in that scripture was speaking about a particular culture that Paul was speaking of with, with regard to the church at Rome. And we can find it elsewhere in scripture. But what what is a culture? Let's just remind ourselves. Culture is an atmosphere. It's a way of being and doing. It's created by a common understanding, either intentionally or unintentionally. You have a culture in your marriage. You have a culture in your family. You have a culture in your workplace. We have culture in church. We have culture in different areas of society. And it's a fascinating thing to to study the nature of culture and how it expresses itself in in different parts of the world. But that's a a bigger thing in and of itself. And the thing is, if we don't understand our culture, if we don't understand another's culture, we can easily take or create offence. I heard something the other day where in a particular culture, if I complimented you on something you were wearing and you just simply said, Thank you to me—that would be considered as an insult because thank you would be de- de- deemed as the end of the conversation. I don't want to talk to you anymore. And so, culture can be a tricky thing. It's how we understand things, how we understand those different ways we communicate the things that we do. Culture is also—it's uh, a growing environment. It's—it's it's a medium. It's—it's it's like um, gravel. It—I I mean, I, I part of my working background was in horticulture. And so it's about growing things, it's about having the right medium to grow things in and You know, you can grow tomatoes in in just water with nutrients in. That is a culture. There's all sorts of different kinds of culture in different ways for growing things uh, to get the best out of them, to produce the best fruit that you possibly can. You can use rock wool and clay and clay pebbles and coconut fiber, all sorts of different things. And very often, you're talking about getting rid of things out of it in order to produce the best in what you are growing. I can remember some particular experiments we were involved in where we had little cultures in those little trays and, and we were put to have just a slither of a geranium on this particular culture. And the idea was to grow it as fast as we could in a special environment in order to grow disease-free uh, geraniums. And so culture works in different ways. And when we think of the culture of the church, what is that culture? That culture can be a negative culture or it can be a positive culture. It can be a culture that produces life or it can be a culture that produces death. And so this morning we're looking at what is a culture of honour. And this is a big subject and I can't possibly begin to unpack it all in one go. But hopefully we can go through it and get the main points of of what it is to have a culture of honour. These days when we think of honour it sounds more like... A military kind of word. It sounds more like something we, we see perhaps on Remembrance Day when, when we see all of those, those military people and the crowds there at the cenotaph remembering and paying honour and respect to those who have given their lives in, in various wars. So it sounds like a kind of military thing, but it means to, to show or to hold in high esteem, to, to regard with great respect, to, to, to recognise value, to, to revere. And uh, in the world, we, we see this worked out in two, two particular kinds. We, we think of ascribed honor, that kind of honor that comes through being born into a particular family. When we look at the genealogies in the Bible, they are all about honor. When we look at the genealogy of Jesus, Jesus, as it were, came from nowhere. In other words, he was, he was born in Nazareth and nothing good comes out of Nazareth, does it? So who are you to be saying and doing what you do? And, and Luke brings out this massive genealogy, and if you, it, depending on, on who you were, that genealogy could be of various lengths. The longer it is, the better. And so when you read the Gospel of Luke, and you look at what God, Luke is communicating there about Jesus, he, then, he unpacks straight away the genealogy of Jesus, and he goes all the way back to son of Adam, son of God. You couldn't have a better genealogy than that, could you? And, and then in a, in a few verses time, that, that identity is going to be challenged by the powers of darkness. So the enemy comes at him, says, if you are the son of God, and so there's a challenge directly to who Jesus is. And Luke is a fascinating book in how uh, he works out who Jesus is and portrays him to the world at large. But that's, again, another story. So genealogies in the Bible are all about honour ranking. Honour ranking can affect who you talk to, can affect who you sit with, etc. And then you have acquired honour, the, the honour that comes through, through behaviour, through good behaviour, through... Um, Honor as a virtue through, through success, through accomplishment and, and all of that kind of thing. So, honor through achievement. But you know, the honor that we talk about in the kingdom of God is based on an entirely different thing. It is not something that you, you, you merit because of who you were born to. It is not something that you achieve because of what you've done. It is something that is given to us by the grace of God. So there's there's no earning, there's no achieving. God simply honours us through his amazing grace. And that's staggering, because we can be tempted to try and earn honour in different ways. And so to understand a a culture of honour, it's helpful to to look at at its opposite, which is shame. There are three kind of basic cultures in the world, which is guilt and innocence, fear and power, and shame and honour. And we could unpack those things. But uh, I did a thing online uh, a few days ago just uh, about how I think about the culture I find myself in. And when I got the results at the end of it, I found out that the English culture is 90-odd 90, 90 percent, near 100% in the guilt-innocence bracket. Uh, whereas if you go to somewhere like Japan, it will be an honor-shame culture where if you do something wrong, so guilt and innocence involves me and God. It's the individual. But if you go to somewhere like Japan... Uh, where you've got an honor-shame culture, it, it is me and others. It is me and the, my family. It is me and the, the company I represent. It is me and the church I am part of. And so when you see somebody do something wrong in that kind of culture, they do a kind of public penance. And you, and you see them doing this, this bowing and this very much apologizing because I have brought shame not on myself. I have brought it on my brothers, my sisters, my colleagues, my company, etc., And so it's quite a fascinating subject. Shame divides people. It drives them away as people who are outcasts, who are unloved, who are unvalued. Shame leads a person to say, if you really knew me, you wouldn't want anything to do with me. That might be you this morning. You might think, actually, if you really knew me, you wouldn't want anything to do with me. Because you're carrying a certain sense of shame. But the beauty of the gospel is God has dealt with that in Jesus. He deals with the whole thing of guilt and shame and fear. Hallelujah. And that's, again, another subject. But you can find it all there, how the gospel ministers into those three particular scenarios. But the culture that God has for us in the church is one of honour. Honour. Um, it's also interesting just to look at the world. A culture of dishonour is revealed by just looking around and listening to the world, looking at the news, looking at the programmes that go on, listening to colleagues' voices, perhaps in the workplace, listening as you go around the supermarket in different ways. And you'll find so often there's, there's criticism, there's cynicism, there's, there's discouraging, there's, there's unhelpfulness, there's, there's negative speech, there's, there's badly written emails, there's mocking, there's, a, there's disrespecting children, there's the negative attitude towards employers and so the list goes on and on and on and so we kind of live in a culture where there's an awful lot of dishonor and as the people of God we we want to be manifesting a different kind of culture a counter-culture to the way of this world to the philosophy of this world a culture of honor is is loving it's peaceable it's righteous it's joyous It's a culture where we put the other first. It's one of mutual submission. It's not power over another. It's one where we are more willing to listen than we are to speak. It's to consider another's opinion. It's a culture that prefers to to give rather than to receive. It's a culture that works out its differences in love. It doesn't mean we hide things away, but we have a totally different way of approaching it. It's a biblical subject. And we've already hinted at at that. Scripture speaks about honour in so many different ways. It speaks about honour in marriage. The need for husbands and wives to to honour one another. And you know, if you don't do that, your relationship will go sour. Because you're starting to try and exercise power over one another. You're trying to exercise control, etc. You're not listening to the heart of the other person. So the the first thing is honouring one another. Uh, The same in family. We need to see how the scripture speaks to family life and the need for honour within the family. Children of parents, honour in society. It speaks about how we should honour those in authority. So you've got the king and the queen. You've got those who rule. You've got those who judge. Uh, You've got leaders in various ways. And and one we we, we really need to take hold hold of as scripture speaks about honouring those who are aged. We live in a, a day and age where kind of if you're under, if, if you're over 60, you're past it. You know, you, you, you're written off. You know, uh, everything is for the young. Everything is for those who are, you know, who are just pushing through into life and life is ahead of them. That's not how Scripture speaks. And, and Scripture says that we should honour those who are, who are elderly. I mean, and, and to be honest, we're not finished here until we go until God promotes us to glory. Isn't that right? You know, there's no, no putting your feet up when you're 60, 65 or 70 in the kingdom of God. Yeah? Are you hearing me? No putting your feet up because God's got something for you to do. I mean, I'm over 60, so I'm talking to myself here. But you know, I've had those words in my head. I, I never thought I would battle in my own mind what it was like to be 60. Maybe you haven't battled it in that way but how the enemy can come in, how society can come in and say, well, you've had your day. Brothers, I haven't. Neither of you. Sisters, you haven't. You know? If you could still take that mountain at 80 years old, so can you. Yeah? Come on. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, more, Alan. More. There's more for you. You Now, if only we had that attitude... Let's not write off the older generation. They they have very often pioneered in in, in difficult times that we have not seen. They have gone through struggles that we have not been part of. And we are building on what they have laid. But they are still with us on the journey. And they still have a part to play. And so we should honour the aged. We're called to honour manhood. Well, I thought all the men would say amen there. Come on, we're called to honor manhood. Yeah. yeah, true biblical, you know, muscly manhood. You know, the, the kind of, we, you know, real manhood. The Bible speaks of it. Jesus was a real man, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Yeah, he was a real man. You know, he knew who he was. He was a carpenter's son. He knew what it was to work hard. We, we honor manhood. We honor womanhood. We, we honour marriage, we, we honour singleness. You know, the peak of life, the peak of human existence is not to be married and have sex. That might shock a few of you. But if we do say that, we have sadly distanced and put outside of the fold those who are single. There is a calling to be single on the part of some. And we need to recognize that. And we need to honor that. And we need to love those who are in that position and accept them and not put pressures on them. So we, we honor manhood. We honor womanhood. We honor marriage. We honor singleness. And, you know, what I love about God is His trinity. You know, and, and you look at trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. From all eternity, honor has been going on within the trinity. The Father honoring the Spirit and the Son. The Son honouring the Father and the Spirit, and the Spirit honouring the Father and the Son. There's been that mutual honouring of one another from all eternity. Though they have different personalities, though they have different roles, there is that honouring that goes on, and we are made in the image of God. Where honour goes out of the window, fear and mistrust creep in. And when fear exists, control becomes the governing motive. You may need to go away and think about some of this because there's some big stuff in here, in this particular subject. It's, it's, it's a big one. When we get into a state where, where honour goes out of the window, there's distrust. Can I, can I really live with you anymore? Can I continue to work with you? Do I really know what you're like and what you're about to do, etc.? And control becomes the governing motive. So three things just to note very quickly about honour. Honour is a relational thing. And I noticed that we noticed that back in the reference to the honour-shame culture in Japan. Honour is a relational thing. Whereas when we think of guilt and innocence, it's just me and God. It's about who I am before God. But actually life is bigger than that. We were made to share life together. We were made another. So honour is relational. It's not private and independent which is contrary to so much of our, our Western culture, where it's you in your small corner and I in mine. You just do what you want to do, I do what I want to do. If we ent- have to interact at times, we might have to, but the less the better, you know? That's, that's kind of a bit like Western culture. Um, but, so honour is a relational thing. And then life flows through Honour. Those who are dishonouring invariably uh, do not receive. And you'll find that where there is a dishonouring culture, there is a lack of life. There is a lack of energy. There is a lack of peace. There is a lack of joy. And so life flows through honour. And it may be that somebody here this this morning, in in your marriage, you've been lacking honour of one another. And you've been wondering, why don't we have the life that we used to? And it's because honour has gone out the window. And you're carping at one another. You're finding it easier to criticize rather than to love and accept and honor the one that God has given you. It creates life giving, it's, it's a, a life giving thing, and it promotes relationships. Jesus said, He who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And so we, we recognize and we receive. From others, Honor is essential uh, for a free environment. So if if we truly want freedom, uh, that space to be, to grow, to be who God intends us to be, we need a free environment. And that is only achieved through cultivating honor of one another. And it may be that, again, just to refer back, that you are in the business of trying to change people around you instead of honoring them, accepting them as they are, and loving them, and receiving them as they are. It gives us space to be. Space to, doesn't mean that you don't disagree, but you disagree in a different way. And there's space to grow and to flourish as God's people. So how can we build a culture of honour? How can we build a culture of honour? So four things here particularly. Number one must be by honouring God himself. He must have the first place in our lives. And, to, you know, Graham touched on that in that, that second session where we're talking about the presence of God. It is wanting his presence. It is wanting to honor his presence. It is wanting to be with him. He is, he is God and not my mate, for example. Uh, it is taking God seriously. And sometimes, let's be honest, we can get casual about God. We can get casual about worship when we come together. We can get casual about prayer. We can get casual about hearing the word. Oh, this is just another sermon. Brothers, it's not. It is the word of God. And we encounter God as much in the word as we do in worship. We encounter God in reading his word. You know, so there are so many different ways of encountering God. And so, you know, what is our attitude to worship? What is our attitude to to his word? how thankful are we? You know, it it says that when we become unthankful, our minds are darkened. Darkness creeps over us and it kind of affects our hearts and the way we do life. So the first thing is honouring God. How much honour do you give to God in your life? Do you see him as number one? Do you spend time with him? Dwelling in his presence. Going back to our discipleship series, this is the up factor of life. How much uptime are you spending? Or is it, right, I need my devotions, I've got my program to work through, boom, 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 okay, God, I'm going to get on with life now. Or is it somehow encountering God and then having that sense of God going with you into the challenges of life? How do we honour God with our our time? How do we honour God with our gifts? How do we honour God with with our finances? That's a big thing. It says very particularly, honour God with your first fruits. You know, we we bring that first and foremost to God before we give to anything else. Before we give anywhere else. We, We give it to God. What about it? So, secondly, recognizing the value that God places on all of our lives. Just take a moment, just to look around you. Just no, don't be ashamed, don't be fearful. Just have a look around you. You know, just looking at the the, the different you know the different people, the different personalities, the different way we dress, the, the different backgrounds that we come from, the different cultures. And it's recognising the value that God places upon each of our lives. You are no more important to God than I am. Neither is the person next to you. You were made in the image of God. Yeah. That's good, isn't it? You were made in the image of God for the glory of God. You have a unique personality. And that's wonderful. We're made in the image of God. Jesus dies for us all. He didn't just die for a few. He died for us all. Not only that, as Christians, we are a habitation of God by the Spirit. Did you... That one one requires a bit of thought at times, doesn't it? Paul said to the church in Corinthians three times, don't you know that you are the dwelling place of God? That God dwells in you. So not only is he around you, as we heard earlier on, but he's in you. You, brothers and sisters, are a God carrier. Yeah? Some of you are looking a little bit, not sure about this. Is he into something dodgy here? But that's what it means to be a temple. It means to be a dwelling place of God. God dwells in you by his spirit. And so we recognise that value that God has placed on us in creation and God has placed on us in redemption and God has placed on us in making us a place in which he dwells by his spirit. Therefore we honour every brother and sister in Christ, the old and the young, the weak and the strong, those whom life is, yeah, 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 and those for whom life is a big struggle at this moment in time. So we recognise that value that he places upon each of our lives. Three, we need to learn how to live into honour, into the honour and the freedom that the Father places upon us as his unique sons. This is probably one of our biggest challenges. How many of you, if you like to confess, have ever looked in the morning and thought, I wished I looked different? That's a surprising number, isn't it? Yeah. And I bet there's a whole lot sitting there thinking, yeah, that's me really, but I'm not going to own up to that one. <laughs> you know? you know, How many of us have, have thought about our own lives and thought, God, I wish you'd made me different. I wish I had the gifts and the talents and the abilities of, you know, brother X or sister so-and-so. How many of us have thought like that? Yeah? Not recognising our own uniqueness... God has branded us each in individual ways with beautiful personalities, express themselves in, in so many wonderful and different ways, your presence, your character, your attitude, your behavior, your language, you know, so many different things about us that add to the variety of life, but, you know, we live in a world particularly where the media is trying to say, you should look like who, you know? And the pressure particularly on upon our younger generations. Oh, if you really want to be somebody in this world, you need to look like X. And you see the picture of them all neatly crafted and, you know, the most expensive stuff in town, etc. You know? But that kind of pressure. But living into the honour. Are you living into the honour and the freedom that the Father places upon you as his unique son and his unique daughter? Yeah? You know? I don't. Know whether, I don't like doing this kind of thing. But just turn to the person next to the, you. <laughs> you love it, okay? Just turn to the person next to you and say, "God thinks you're beautiful." <laughs> I nearly said, "Turn to the person next to you and say you're beautiful," but that could be. <laughs> couldn't it? We could get into trouble on that one? But, you know, God God thinks you're beautiful. Amen? And we we, we need to grasp that. I'll be honest, I've looked at myself at times and I thought down through my life, God, I wish you'd made me somebody else. Yeah? That obviously strikes a chord, doesn't it? I wish wish you hadn't given me this kind of temperament, you know? I wish you'd made me more like so-and-so. But God has made me me. Yeah? And He's made you you. With all your quirkiness, with all the beauty of your what you like, the music, the the colours, the the, the the drama of your life. And I you know, God says, let it be. Let it be. Don't be controlled by somebody else, whether it's the media or whether it's somebody next to you. Don't be controlled. Be free. Because God has made you to be you and to live into you in all the glory that that is meant to be. So, you know, out of that, you see, it means this. That your, your presence, your character, your attitude, your behavior, your language will not control, control me or remove my freedom. Do you see what I mean? Because so often we're with one another and we're thinking, hang on a minute, I need to adjust So I'm I'm not going to be me, so I'm going to adjust to how this person thinks I should be. And so we end up being controlled by others. That can happen in the home, that can happen in church, that can happen in the workplace. So many different environments. It means that I will never allow the way you conduct yourself to control me or affect my conduct towards you. You could spend a whole lot of time there. Because there's a lot in that. And it is about honour. How we, we, we receive the honour that God gives to us as individuals. How we recognise the honour he places on another life and how he works in their life. Number four, we see each person as a gift from God, uh, honouring their uniqueness. We've begun to hint at this one already. And uh, you, know, you, you look around and you see the multiple gifts that God has given in different ways uh, across the, the life of the body. We can go on to the next slide, please. Thank you. Hmm. I'm having a moment. <laughs> Technology that happened at camp, didn't it? Yeah. So when you when you think of the, the, the different different way God has created each one of us, the different gifts we we honour those gifts. We don't have to be those gifts. We don't have to try and copy. We recognise the uniqueness. So seeing each person as a gift from God, honouring their uniqueness by affirming and drawing out the value and the beauty of each person, recognising their gifts as God's design and not something accidental. Otherwise, we start finding fault with one another. We start criticising one another. We start uh, picking on one one another in different ways. But I, I love being with others. I love the way different people express themselves. I love the different gifts that God puts within the church. And so it talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And we, we honour all of those. But, you know, sometimes we can be drawn to one more than the other. But we need to honour every type of, type of ministry, every type of gift that God places amongst us. So I just want to drill down very quickly into some practical things, how we, we just work out some of this stuff. So... We celebrate the goodness of God in people's lives. We also stand with them in difficult times. So we, we honour one when they, something good has happened, we celebrate. But we also stand with them when they go through difficult times. That's, that is honouring that person. We, we are happy to promote others above ourselves, serving one another in love. One of the big ones, I think, that is well worth spending a little bit of time thinking about is how we communicate. How I communicate. How you communicate. And I've been guilty in the past of writing emails that I should never have written. Have you? I've done it. I wish I could have drawn those emails back. You know? When I write something now, I think twice about more than twice about what I'm writing because I try to put myself in the other person's shoes so in other words is this going to honour that person am I, am I writing to them out of honour first and foremost same applies to any conflict anything that we might be dealing with we, we might be resolving you can go in and you can, you can try and be a, a problem solver and going straight for the problem and trying to resolve it without any honour of the person you're talking with Number one priority is honour. Am I honouring this person that I'm talking to at this moment in time? Is what I'm writing going to honour the individual who receives it? Or is it an attack on their character? And that that brings into into question all sorts of things. You know, the whole arena of Facebook, the whole arena of Twitter, etc. Where people just make remarks, send them out there, and, and suddenly people read it and think, whoa, what was that all about? What was that all about? You know, there's a good side to Facebook and there's a good side to Twitter and we need to redeem it. We need to watch how we communicate, how we send things out to other people. You know, when you're in a conversation, are you more interested in getting your point across than in listening to the other person? Are you more interested in winning the argument than hearing the heart of the other because if if that's where we're at we're not honoring the person we're talking with, about talking to sharing with communication what about in the home husbands and wives parents and children What about how you speak about your older parents, those of us who have them? What about the workplace? Because ultimately, what we learn and do here must spill over into our homes, must spill over into the workplace. What's our attitude towards work? Oh, you may not like where I'm about to go with this. And I think I'm quoting Dorothy Sayers in this. You see, so many of us work in order to live. Do you get where I'm going? So many of us work. The attitude of the world is we work in order to live. But actually, did you know that God created us to live in order to work? Oh. Oh. Eh? So when God made an Adam and Eve, he made them to work. Not to have a, you know, there's times for leisure and that kind of thing, but he made them to work. And, and so that the world that we live in is I work in order to live. And the less time I have to work, the more I can live. But actually, we were made... We were made am I getting this around the wrong way now? <laughs> we work in order to live, not... I'm getting myself muddled up now, aren't I? Yes. I thought that might be a bit of a tongue twister. Okay. Work is a blessing. blessing. Yes, David. Work is a blessing. So what what is your attitude to work? Are you honouring God in your attitude to work? Do you honour God in the workplace? you honour God concerning your employer? Or are you cutting him short somewhere? Is your... The language that you use about him or her, negative and destructive when it should be something else. So, the emails, the conversations, the texts. Are you building up rather than pulling down? Are you encouraging rather than discouraging? Let's stand, shall we? You know, the girl on the checkout, or the man on the checkout, they've seen how many people that day. And you come along, all grumpy. You've been in the queue, you've been waiting there. And you're a bit hoffety with her or him. How do we honour people in those environments? Let's just pray, shall we? Father... This is a big, big subject. Help us to know how to honor you. Help us to live into the honor that you've placed upon each of our lives. Help us to honor those around us in our families, in our community group, in the church, in the workplace. Help us to honour those in society, the king, queen, the prime minister, the the judges, those who have those huge responsibilities. Help us to express this honour to the world that is so broken and dishonouring. Help us, through your Holy Spirit, to be a people who build a culture of honour out of which life flows in a tremendous way and your kingdom comes and your glory is revealed. So Spirit of God, we, we give ourselves afresh to you this morning and we say, here we are. Forgive us where we have dishonoured husband or wife, where we have dishonoured the elderly, where we have dishonoured those around us in different ways. Forgive us and help us to reshape our thinking, to reshape those emails that we're writing, those text messages, to think about them in new ways that we might see a healthy, wholesome, life giving culture developed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.